welcome to episode 34 of Our Brooklyn Bites. I am Stephanie. I'm Leon. And we're here to talk about some games today. Indeed we are. First of all, did you even play any games this week? I know you have a very busy schedule. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess, well, we're coming off of the, we're coming off of like Memorial Day holiday week. Yeah. So that cut into a, some of our time, but still managed to squeeze it was a in. shortened week, yeah. Yeah. Still had some some gaming time on my hands, um, and I took the time to um, think about what was happening most recently this week. And it, you know, I was reminded that it was, of course, um, you know, May is sort of Star Wars a Star Wars heavy month because you know of the previously mentioned May the Fourth tradition. But as in addition to that, I think of the real Star Wars Day as the day that Star Wars was actually released in the movie theaters in 1977. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I felt like, hey, I should perhaps take the time to play a Star Wars game that I might not have played before. Okay. You know? Um, and so this was a very sort of an impulse choice. I didn't really plan this at all. Um I felt like, hey, I had played this this uh, this other game, uh, Apprentice of the Force, on on Game Boy Advance. So there was another Game Boy Advance Star Wars game that I had never played, um, and it was called uh, Flight of the Falcon. Hmm. Um, never heard of this one. Yeah, yeah. So this one was released in two thousand three uh, by THQ, and. It was, uh, you know, only on the Game Boy Advance platform. Uh, this was made by a developer called Pocket Studios. Huh. And uh, it looks like they were only active from, like, around 2000 to 2004. Um, as their name would hint at, <laughs> they made primarily uh, portable games. Um, or, I think, exclusively portable games. I think they had one Game Boy Color game, and the rest was all on Game Boy Advance. Mm-hmm. Um, they looks looks like they made mostly licensed tie-in type games. Um, they made like the a Lord of the Rings game. They made a, an Incredible Hulk game, a Pirates of the Caribbean game. Um, they also had some console conversions like Lego Racers Two and Gauntlet Dark Legacy. So oh, wow. they were pretty busy for their the, that period of time that they were active. Um, but as far as this game goes. Um, you know, as the name suggests, Flight of the Falcon, right? You control the Millennium Falcon. This game should be all about the Falcon, right? Sure. <laughs> well, <laughs> you might think that. Um, but unfortunately, there's um, other things mixed in with that. So you do get to fly the Falcon in, in many of the stages. Um, the game is split up into about 13 stages. Mm. Different missions that you get throughout the game. Okay. Um, the first one, you're kind of flying to Tatooine and you're, you know, have to destroy a bunch of TIE fighters to be able to get past the, uh, Imperial blockade. Um, <clears throat> so basically this game follows loosely the events of the original trilogy. Um, you go through Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. And, you know, you get various missions that you would have encountered throughout, you know, throughout that story. Um, so yeah, that first mission, you know, you, you basically have a view behind the Falcon. You're moving forward into the screen. It's a 3D style presentation. Um, TIE fighters fly towards you. 
Um, but this is all, this is, these are all scaled sprites. It looks like no 3d models being done here. Okay. Um, you know, there's just like a progress bar on the bottom of the screen. I don't really know how many I had to destroy. All I know is they just kept coming and coming. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, at a certain point you can, you have a simple laser fire. You also have some torpedoes available of a limited amount to destroy like a, a bigger target or more, you know, more of them. Um, there is a Star Destroyer that shows up. You can disable the laser cannons that are on it, uh, but you can't destroy the actual ship. It's like, it would be a little bit extreme if you could, because hmm. those are pretty big ships. <laughs> um, so immediately after that, though, you are, you know, on Tatooine, and your next mission is to meet Han Solo at Mos Eisley Spaceport. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, I thought I was Han Solo. I thought I was piloting the Falcon. <laughs> Why am I suddenly controlling a land speeder that has to go through the streets of the port to meet up with the Falcon? Um, so, yeah, I mean, that threw me off a little bit just because I felt like that wasn't really the subject of the game that I was sold on. Like, if I had picked up this game and thought, hey, I'm going to be zipping around the Millennium Falcon the whole time, <laughs> I don't want to suddenly have to deal with... Uh, controlling a land speeder and i'm like i have like stormtroopers firing at me and that additionally this is a time stage so you have to get through it with um you know by like pretty much dodging the obstacles uh you can return fire but you don't really get any like i don't really know what the point of doing that is because the whole point of the stage is just to get to the end to get to the finish line for the most part so you do have like a boost that you can use like once you get through some Obstacles. If you see it like a straightaway, you can boost ahead uh -huh. to try to get to the finish line in time. And you're going to have to do that because there's not enough time to get to the end without uh, boosting along the way. Um, <clears throat> so at first, you know, also with this stage, I get the impression that maybe this game is not well suited as designed for the Game Boy Advance. I mean, it's a little, a little too ambitious, perhaps, for what they were trying to do. Um, the screen is, you know, very low res, um, the frame rate starts to, you know, struggle a bit <laughs> yeah. trying, trying to get through this. Um, so I don't know, I th I'm, I'm starting to question the design, design you know, decisions hmm. that were made for like what this game, you know, is, is trying to accomplish. Um, the next one you have sort of the Falcon trying to escape, um, you know, you, you, I guess a you get through the port, you know, you, you, you leave the spaceport and now you're flying through the canyons of, you know, Tatooine around it. You're kind of like trying to dodge your way through, um, through enemies. And, um, this one is, is kind of similar to the first, the way the first mission is presented, but it's much harder to tell what you're looking at. Um, there's like a lot of probe droids in the canyons trying to stop you. Imperial probe droids. Okay. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I mean, it just felt like they're maybe trying a little too hard to do something. Yeah, I mean, it, the graphics like almost are like really well done, but they're not. It's, it's so pixelated because they they I guess they had to like down res everything so mm -hmm. much that it looks like it's when you take like a, a small uh, GIF file and you expand it like you know sixteen times the size. Right. That's kind of what it reminds me of. Right, yeah, because I mean, it's it's just they're scaling bitmaps in, you know, that's how they present the motion, the three D motion in this game. Yeah, but I mean, maybe for the time that was pretty good. I don't mm -hmm. remember. It seemed, but I seem like 
by GBA times, we, we were able to do pretty good like scaling graphics like that on right. most consoles. Yeah. I mean, I've seen some pretty impressive GBA games. Yeah. Um, but I felt like this one was perhaps, you know, spreading itself a little too thin. It reminds me a little bit of Sega's, I think, Galaxy Force, was that it was called? Uh-huh. The arcade game. That kind of look, a little bit, just not as good. Right. Yeah, so, I mean, I don't know. I, I would say, you know, like, as you as you progress through the game, you get more of these type of missions. A lot of these missions do repeat in different settings, but it's, like, very similar to um, a style you might have seen before. Um, so after this, you sort of you move on to like a Death Star stage. First, you're you're in Death Star Approach, and you know you have to destroy Tie Fighters. Um, but uh, this time, though, you're you're flying an X-wing fighter. You know, again, you're not in the Falcon. And um, you know, it, it just strikes me as odd. Like if you if you were going to make a game all about the Falcon, you would think, well, th- that should really be the star of, of yeah. the game. Like, show what the Falcon's doing while this other stuff is going mm-hmm. on. Because, you know, this is, I guess, similar to what might have happened in the movie. But, you know, show what the Falcon had to do to get to this same stage, you know. Um, <laughs> there's another uh, stage where you're you're destroying um, laser towers on the surface of the Death Star as you're preparing for the famous trench run scene. Uh-huh. Um, you know, naturally, if you're going to do a Death Star attack, you're going to have to recreate the, death, the the trench run. That seems like obligatory. Um, very similar to that stage that you would get in the Atari arcade game. Where oh, you're, really? Where you're sort of flying through, there's like obstacles and like things shooting at you, um, you know, turbo lasers and things like that. Um, but it just gets super, super crowded. I mean, I'm, uh, you know, I, <laughs> I would not think this is the safest way to approach your target. <laughs> You know, but it's... Um, Just to hover along the planet. It, it almost felt like, you know, I mean, it got so bad at, 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 at you know, cause it gets progressively more difficult the closer mm-hmm. you get to your exhaust port target. And it got so crowded. I thought I was like flying into like a, a block of Tetris blocks, you know, where it was like, there's only like one very narrow space between the layers. Um, so I, I just thought it was like a little too, too much. Um, after that, you know, you, you eventually do blow up the Death Star. Nothing changes there. Hmm. Um, and then, you know, the Empire Strikes Back stages start. Um, you get an asteroid field, naturally. Um, you start to see TIE bombers now, dropping mines in your path. Um, you then move on to a Cloud City stage, where you're in uh, Bespin, and you're chasing the Slave One. Uh, that's Boba Fett's ship that, you know, froze Han Solo and, like, wants oh. to deliver him to... I didn't know he had a ship. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, that was that ship was called the Slave One. It's a very oh. odd-looking ship. Kind of reminds me of an elephant's head. So it's kind of got kind of got like a long section with like another section. I think I was reading about the design of the Slave One, and they were trying to uh, suggest that it was maybe based on like kind of like a radar dish, but it looked more like an elephant to me. Mm. <laughs> um. So yeah, you're, that's like another stage where you're kind of flying between buildings and you're chasing the ship and you're trying to disable its uh, shields. Um, the confusing part about this stage was that while you do have laser platforms that fire at you with green lasers, mm-hmm. um, Slave 1 returns fire with like red laser shots, which are the same as yours. 
So it gets a little confusing. It's very easy to confuse the the shots coming in towards you <laughs> with your own shots that you're taking at it. So that was um, I would pre- probably prefer a, a change there just to make it a little more obvious. <laughs> um, you have another another segment uh, where you're sort of attacking the superstar destroyer, the executor, which is like Darth Vader's like command ship. Um, you're flying along the surface and it's very similar also to the Death Star attack. Um, this one was particularly tough. Um, there's laser fences that you have to blow up to proceed. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, uh, I'll, you had to like fire very quickly to try to break them before you crashed into it. Um, the laser cannons on this stage too were also firing at you from all angles. So it didn't matter if it was like off to the left, it could very easily take a shot at you, even if you were all the way to the right. Um, so it was very easy to get hit. And I had to repeat the stage several times wow. to get past it. Uh, you very quickly move on to the Return of the Jedi portion of the game. Um, you have a Battle of Endor segment where you have to protect capital ships from TIE bomber attacks. Uh, this one was also kind of tough for me. This is like a, uh, not escort mission, but like a tower defense kind of thing. Well, this one was annoying. Let me tell you, because... Yeah, it, it does kind of... It's It sort of plays like an escort mission where you have to protect your targets, you know, your ships from being attacked. Um, and, you know, what I've said about other games before with escort missions, I, I, can, I can apply it to this as well, mm-hmm. where I just don't like escort game, you know, uh, gameplay elements because I feel like, well... You know, here's an enemy. It's attacking something that I'm trying to protect. But once that that attack has started, your 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 you know your ship is going to take damage, and um, the only defense you have is to try to destroy those other ships as quickly as possible. Um, the other annoying thing is that these Thai bombers fly in from behind you a lot of times, and you don't really have a very wide field of view, so it's very easy for you to crash into them as oh, they're passing you. That's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, um, you know, there's another portion where um, you're chasing uh, troopers on a speeder bike. This is, like, takes place on the surface of the forest moon. And uh, this one's very similar to that Mos Eisley mission I mentioned before. You're kind of racing through obstacles while you're trying to accelerate to make um, the time limit. Wasn't the arcade version similar to that, where you're on the speeder bikes? Um, there wasn't, well, the, the Return of the Jedi arcade game had a speeder bike segment, but it was, it was isometric. It was kind of overhead. It wasn't a vector game like the Mm. previous games. So, well, yeah, it wasn't first person like this game. Um, you know, so if you like abstract green mosaics, I think, (laughs) I think this level is very well suited for that. Uh, Um, you, of course, move on to the Death Star 2 that's being built around Endor. Um, you do have to destroy deflector towers in this one. It's very similar to the Death Star approach uh, that, you know, you played before. Um, and finally, you get to the reactor core, like, tunnel run mm. that, that's in Return of the Jedi, where they had to fly into the structure of the Death Star uh-huh. um, to destroy the, the reactor in, in the center. And, and this mission, 
was pretty easy. It was not particularly difficult to get through the obstacles here. There wasn't anything firing at you, and uh, it just felt a little more manageable than the previous Death Star run. Um, the odd thing is, though, when you get to the final battle, um, your battle is with the reactor core. <laughs> and you're kind of standing still, just kind of shooting at it. It's uh, very odd, because in the movie, this was kind of a dramatic scene. After flying through all the obstacles, and you've got TIE fighters chasing you, you know, collisions are like a a hair width away. I mean, you're, you're barely making it through these tunnels. And then once you get into the reactor core room, you know, suddenly you get a sense of how big it is because you're flying along with the Falcon this whole time. And I'm talking in the movie. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly you break into this vast sort of chamber where the reactor is. And all of a sudden that, that sense of speed falls away because the room is so huge. It's meant to sort of give you a sense of what the scale was like. Um, but of course the Falcon zips in, you know, takes a few shots and, you know, the reactor is like exposed and fragile at that point. And it doesn't take much to sort of blow it up. But the scenario in this game, all of a sudden you're sort of standing still and all, and you're just moving side to side. So you're not flying through, um, the space that's there in any way. And it's defended by shields and you've also got probe droids there defending it. (laughs) Um, so you have to sort of uh, wear down the shield that's around the core while also shooting, trying to shoot down these um, these probe defenders. Um, and, you know, once you do finally do it, there's no big escape scene. You're just sort of treated to kind of a, just the cinema of, you know, the chain reaction blowing up and the Death Star suddenly, you know, um, you know exploding and... You then get a congratulations screen on Endor with like fireworks and and rebel <laughs> fighters flying overhead, um, and then the credits roll. Mm-hmm. And once you sit through the credits, <laughs> you get like a little passcode at the end, where if you enter it, um, you get a bonus game. There's like a quick little, very simple side-scrolling shooter oh, cool. game that you get as sort of just like a little Easter egg for finishing the game. Um, not much to it. Pretty simple shooting mechanic. You get just waves of like TIE fighters and shuttles coming at you. Um, you get like little simple power ups and, um, that's about all there is to this game. Uh, I would not really recommend it very strongly (laughs) unless you really needed a star Wars fix on some level. The sound effects were good. They were all pretty authentic. Mm Um, you know, a bit, low res a bit like garbled as might be typical of like digitized samples for the gba of that time um but yeah i mean just the general impression i had of this game was i i liked some of the 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 space shooting scenes but all the other stuff i felt was mm, you know a bit too far from you know what the subject of this game should have stuck to so they didn't like, between the levels, there was no storyline to go with it? It would just go from level to level and that's it? So you were given... Yeah, in between... Like, if you never watched the movie before, would this game make any sense at all? Um, that's a good point. Uh, you All you get is, you get, like, sort of, like, um, a little mission briefing, mm-hmm. right? So, very similar to what you saw before the Death Star battles in the game, in the movies. You would get, like, a little holographic projection of, like, 
you know, here's what your goal of this mission is going to be, you know, and it just very briefly, two paragraphs maybe explains what you're supposed to do. Um, yeah, but you don't get any huge, like, story exposition. Not really. Huh. Yeah, I mean, it looks like it's sort of like a generic shooter, mm-hmm. but almost like skins with the Star Wars characters and or spaceships and stuff. Yeah, right. I mean, but it looks like you can take that, like, you can take that same game and just put any generic ship in there and spaceships you, and it would be if you same. had something similar like to that yeah i would say um it's probably not you know super deep in huh. terms of presenting you know any other star wars elements to it um but i don't know i just wanted to try something that i hadn't tried before yeah and another star wars game i mean there's certainly you know star wars games despite being licensed there are some very good ones um, but, you know, I guess there's also that share of, um, you know, shovelware to some degree. Mm. I don't know if I would put it, this one quite in that category. There's certainly worse Star Wars games out there. Um, there's been one that's been on my list for a long time, uh, Republic Commando, that I do want to get to with eventually. Um, but that one is sort of set in the Clone Wars era, so... I wanted to pick something that was more original what, trilogy. What is Clone Wars era? Is that recent? Um, well, that's where the that's where the the prequels were set in mm-hmm. the, the the second set of movies that came out. So those are the ones that were more in the past, before like the first films. So, yeah, I felt like I wanted to play something, you know, with the era that I liked better. <laughs> Have you ever done a count of how many Star Wars games there are? Uh, I'm sure there's a list. Like, I wonder if you take all the movie to video game, like, tie-in type things, you know, the movie video game, how many would, how many would you get? Like, what, what movie has the most games? Mm, right. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. Because Star Trek, I don't think there were that many games, right? I would say there's not as many. No. Probably But there not. is a lot of Star Wars games, and I can't think of too many movies that have that spawned that many games mm-hmm. right I wonder yeah I, by now I'm sure there's well over gee I don't know I would be surprised if there was less than a hundred Star Wars games by now wow oh, less than a hundred that's crazy I would say there's probably more than that that's insane but I'll 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 take that <laughs> for I mean you can think about for it research purposes even by by 19 what was it 84 or 85 they already had two arcade games right mm-hmm. I don't know right. when Empire Strikes Back came out in the arcade but it seemed pretty early on yeah uh, well the movie was 1980 so we're probably talking 82 81 82 even that early yeah yeah Somewhere yeah probably there. so probably 3 was it maybe been out already that's insane yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, the Parker Brothers 2600 game was out... That was 81? Before that, Something I think. Like that. I would say... It was, yeah, around that, around that time, Did 80, you like 81. that one, at least? Oh, yeah. Review that one one week. <laughs> it's a quick one. Yeah, what could I say about that? But it's uh, certainly a classic for its time. I used to play that. That was good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely a favorite. Hmm. But that was it for me. So, how about you? I played a few. I didn't play a whole lot this week, but some just some quick games. Mm-hmm. Uh, this week, they, this month was uh, for the end of, for May on PSN was Race to the Sun. It was a free download. I remember their this game? PS Plus thing. Mm-hmm. 
Um, it's by a company called Flipfly. We've seen this at least uh, two years now at PAX East. Mm-hmm. They've been demoing it. Yeah. And it always, I don't know why, like, I'm, you know me, I don't play racing games. So, uh, I don't know, for some reason, though, I've been attracted to this game. I don't know if it, because it reminds me of the look of Space Harrier or something. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's something about it that attracted me to it. So I was kind of glad, and it was a freebie, I got to try it. Uh, it is an infinite racer. So there's really, uh, there are board progressions, but every time you crash, you start over from the beginning. Right. Um, you're driving a solar-powered car... And the catch is, number one, your car is it's more of a sled. Uh-huh. So you're, a hover, you're like a hovercraft sled. Right. So you can move um, left and right, and you can do a barrel roll if you do like a quick like left and then like quickly move the opposite direction. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's no brakes or anything, so you're just moving in a constant acceleration. And because it's solar-powered, the sun in the distance, kind of like where your point of view is, is constantly setting. So you need to get to the end of the level before the sun sets. Mm. Or if you find these, like, like power-ups, it raises... I think it raises the sun up or a little bit or something. I still don't totally understand how that works. They don't explain any, any of that. But I noticed that as I was playing, you know, sometimes I would get the warning that says, like, low sunlight. And, and then when you're in the shade, your car doesn't have any power and you just... The game ends. Um, there's, as you're racing through this level... There's no uh, variations of speed, really. You're pretty much more or less going at the same speed. You uh, have to avoid these obstacles. A lot of the times they're stationary. Like uh, There's no trees, but you would have like blocks, just uh, randomly placed ramps, things like that. Mm. Uh, starting with stage two, some of these blocks start to move. So they'll start <laughs> rotating as you come near them. And uh-huh. you have to kind of like fly in between them as they're rotating. Or like uh, moving across the screen. Uh, if you go off the ramps, it sometimes uh, it'll take you to areas where, you know, maybe there's, uh, like, bonus items you can pick up. Um, Are those, you can collect, um, like, these little Energon things that give you points. Hmm. Yeah, like was, that's, I was gonna, that's what I was going to ask. Like, are those items just points, or are they, like, power-ups of some uh, kind? It's most, there's, there's both. There's power-ups, like, single power-ups, and then there's, like, these uh, blue glowing uh, orbs, mm-hmm. and those give you points. That's the end of the level. Like, um... It'll tell you you collected, you know, 40 orbs or 30 orbs out of 100 or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. The levels are, from what I understand, they're randomized. However, they're randomized, like, every 24 hours. Oh. So you're put, at least in the, the one I played on the PS4, as long as you're connected to the internet, um, you do, uh, like, you start a level, and then it'll say, like, 23 hours left for this level. And then you're put, if you beat the level, or you, you whatever your progress is, your time and point progress, is put into the world scores. And you can compare with your friends, the world score, and everything else. Hmm. And then, um, I guess it resets the, the very next day. I don't know how it works, I didn't play it enough to understand that part. Uh, but yeah, as you're playing, you get certain power-up items. One of them is a magnet that you can attach to your car, and then it, it, it kind of picks up the orbs near your car. That helps you out a little bit. Mm-hmm. You can also get a jump mechanism, so you can kind of you can only use it once. The jump, uh, you can if, so if there's like a block in your way, you can just jump right over it. And you slow down a little bit when you jump, so it's pretty handy because when you're up in the air, you can kind of see where the next power up is, and you can kind of move your car in that direction, mm-hmm. your vehicle. 
The downside is to those power-ups is your vehicle can only equip one. So you can't have the magnet and the jump and whatever else you find. You know, it's one or the other. Hmm. So you choose before the level. This game sounds um, a bit more involved than I was first led to believe. Uh, yeah, I guess so. It's it's more of a matter of how you can achieve a high score, you know, within the circumstances. Because you don't have any room for error, really. You crash once and you die. There's some things like, the, you, as you play a little bit more, you start unlocking. They give you, uh, like, 25 missions per level, per, mm-hmm. per game. And every time you play through it, you can unlock, like... It says, you know, fly 10,000 miles and you you unlock this thing, you know. Then And then if you unlock that, then it's fly 50,000 miles and then you unlock this. Hmm. So as you start unlocking these things, they start giving you more of these upgrades. And one of the upgrades is a shield. So if you find the shield on the level and you crash into a brick it'll or, or a block, it'll start you over again at that spot. Um, another thing is a warp, which I haven't been able to... I found it, but I can't never fly in that direction to go mm. into it. And I think if you go into the warp, it takes you to the next level or um, a further into the level or something. Cool. So, it's, so it seems okay. Um, like I said, I'm not a big racing fan. Right. Do you think so, this is a racing game? I, that's what I'm wondering. I mean, it's got. I don't it's know called it, Race to the Sun, but... Yeah, I don't know if it's really a racing game. Because it is the mechanics of a racing game. You're mm-hmm. still flying, you know, left and right. and. Well, it reminds me a little bit huh. of that iPad game that you had where you had to kind of... You have to fire those yes. metallic yes. balls uh-huh. to break the obstacles. I like that you. game. That's Invader Zerp, I think uh. it is. I like that game better, but I don't know. As a free game, I thought it was pretty fun. If I paid like 10 for this or 15 I probably would have been disappointed. Mm-hmm. I don't think it would have met my expectations. I do like the look of the game. I like the... Um, it's sort of like abstract. It's got a little bit of... Um, Sort of like a computer graphics render. Yeah, look like the to polygon it. kind of geometric mm-hmm. sort of look. Yeah, a lot of a lot of like flat shading uh-huh. type, you know, graphics as well. Um, but you know, it looks very, I don't know, very much like a kind of like an alien landscape. I, I just um, like the aesthetics of it. Yeah, the levels I got up to level four, I think, is the first I got. Does it change? Doesn't yeah. change a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Like level one and two are almost exactly the same, just with movable obstacles. Mm-hmm. Three, I think the color changes, and then four, I think you start getting like mountains, things like that, maybe pyramids. Okay. So it's not drastic, but. Mm. I see. And I don't know how far it goes. It's pretty tough. It's, it's not an easy game. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I did. I did grab it along with my. PS Plus as well, so oh, okay. I'll try it out at some point. And then another one I picked up was a, which is another one we saw at PAX East. Mm-hmm. It's called One More Dash. Uh huh. This is the sequel to One More Line, which mm. I believe you played a bit. Yep. I know I played it a lot. Yeah. So this one, very similar, uh, except now you're jumping from circle to circle. So, uh, whereas before you were kind of using the, like this grappling hook mm. to go from circle to circle. Right. This one, you're, you're just like kind of teleporting yourself there. Mm. And you play this on iPad? Yes. Okay. It's on I, uh, iOS and Android. Mm-hmm. Now, these circles have a rotating shield around them. Mm-hmm. Around like the perimeter. And you have to try, when you teleport yourself to the circle, you can't hit the shield. Like your ship has to enter in a spot where there's no shield on the circle. So it's it's more like timing before you you tap on the screen. Um, some some of the circles have shields, some of them have no shields, some of them have quick ones mm-hmm. like that spin really fast. Some of them 
you have like multiple shields that kind of intersect as they spin and you have to kind of get your timing right. If you should like move your vehicle into the shield, it bounces right off it and it'll either bounce you back to the spot you're in or it'll bounce you into space and your game ends. Mm. Um, so it's kind of similar to the previous game. Somewhat similar. A little bit. Yeah. It's a little bit more intricate. Uh, the scoring system, there's now uh, three dots on a circle. Mm-hmm. Now, not all circles will have these three dots. They might have one or two. So it's all kind of randomized. If you land on the circle when it has three dots, you get three points. Mm. And then and then so on. So every circle will be three points. If it only has two dots, then you, of course you get two points. Now, when you bounce off a shield, like if you try to go onto the circle and the shield's in the way and you bounce back, one of those dots disappears. So if it has two dots, it'll now change to one dot. So now you score, you know, you have one less opportunity to get a higher score. Mm-hmm. Um, also, what makes it even tougher, and this is one of the more annoying things about this game I found, when you go from circle to circle, you have to, you have to wait, you know, for your timing to jump onto this next circle. But you have a time limit. You only have about three seconds before your ship explodes. So sometimes you have to force yourself to purposely bounce into the shield to reset your timer on their, in your circle. Mm-mm. You only have a certain amount of time you can stay in one spot. I see. And, you know, but you always run that risk of jumping into the, into the circle shield that it could throw you into space if the angle's not right. So you don't, um, you don't choose which circle to jump into, right? No, you're on a track. It's a set path. Yeah, it's, a, it's definitely a path. Because with one more line, you didn't necessarily have to hook on That's to, true. to right. each circle. It's just whichever one you thought was going to move mm-hmm. you ahead the best or, yeah, you know, whatever. whatever. I would say it better. probably shares more visual appeal of the first one than, mm-hmm. than actual gameplay. Okay. But the same, you know, tap one button, one tap mechanism. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're really just timing your jumps it's to all timing. not run into those obstacles. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, there are special dots sometimes that are uh, on the circle, on the perimeter of the circle that also rotate. Mm-hmm. And if you can land, if you can jump onto the circle and grab one of these dots, like if you can time it right, mm. then you can earn, um, they're kind of like um, bonus dots. Uh, they're not, they don't, they don't add to your score. But you can use them to buy skins and, and um, different uh-huh. like visual looks to the game. Okay. So your ship will change to a different shape, or the color of the game will change. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the extent. I don't know if it's deeper than that. I haven't really noticed anything more to it. Mm. But you know, it's pretty simple. It is ad supported, so you have to deal with you know some pop up ads. But I don't feel like just like the other game, it's not too bad. Mm-hmm. Very 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 rarely did it. Give me, like, one of those forced 15-second ads that you had to, like, sit through. Mm. Usually they're just quick pop-ups and you just exit out and you're done. And is there a uh, purchase-to-remove-ads option? I did not see that, no. Hmm. I didn't see that as an option. Gotcha. There might be. I just didn't see it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, that's kind of it. I think it's a free download. So if you want to check it out, it's not bad. I think I like the first game better. Mm-hmm. I think I had more fun with that. I, I, I did like the soundtrack of the first game, or at least the, some yeah, of the music that was I used. Yeah, I didn't care for this music in this one. Mm-hmm. If the, I don't even remember what the music was. So not as memorable. No, no. Mm-mm. Hmm. Too bad. So those were my two big games, and then the last one I played was Ninja Gaiden for arcade. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I played this one was this was in. in 
response to the podcast, the No Quarter podcast. Uh-huh. That's an arcade po- game podcast. Quite familiar with it. Yeah, they talked about Ninja Gaiden on one of their shows, and they didn't like it. They mm. pretty much destroyed it. They ripped it apart, uh-huh. <laughs> which is fine, you know. Um, but again, let me think. Like, I remember, I don't have fond memories of the game, but I remember playing it a lot in, you know, uh, I guess this was this was probably before high school or right around there. I think it was in 88 or 89 the mm-hmm. game came out. So, um, you know, I think the arcade near me had it, and I played it a bunch. And the only reason why I remember liking the game, because when the NES version came out, I remember hating the NES version because it wasn't <laughs> like the arcade. I was like, why, you know, I was so mad. Why did they change it? You know, this is garbage. Mm-hmm. And the Lynx one actually is based on the arcade. And that one I liked a lot. So I was all excited when that one came out. The Lynx one is titled Ninja Gaiden 3, right? Um, <laughs> I believe. I don't remember, is it? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah, that's... that's I'm not even sure if... I think it's based on the arcade. Mm-hmm. I seem to remember it anyway. And there was also a Genesis version, which was... Well, I don't know if it ever came out, but it was supposed to be based on the arcade. But, um, yeah, so I don't know. I think that that game has not aged that well. Um, I could see why, you know, someone today might load it up and not like it very much. But um, I don't think it's as bad as they said it was. Mm-hmm. But um, I played like the first two levels. You know, I gave up on it. Oh, actually, it's oh, I correct yeah. myself. It's two separate games on the links. There is a Ninja Gaiden, and there's also a Ninja Gaiden Three. Uh-huh. Was it Ninja Gaiden Three released? Yeah, it's well, it's, it's so this was released on uh, on links, but Ninja Gaiden One was a separate release. Is it based on the NES one, or the is it like a, uh, a newer style arcade? Do you know? I believe it's based on the arcade, I guess. The, the third one? Um, I'm not sure. The third one, I'm not sure. Yeah. I'll have to look into that, but um, I don't know. Ninja Gaiden, not that great. Mm. I see. <laughs> one so. thing was pretty funny, and, and I think you were here when I was playing, was on the level two, there's one section where you're crossing on a highway, and the sign on the highway says Brooklyn and Staten Island. <laughs> Right. <laughs> Which is really funny because uh, that's, you know, that would be equivalent to the, the Brooklyn Queens Expressway, that, that signage. Mm-hmm. So they kind of based it on, I guess, that highway, but it's not really. <laughs> but it's just funny. I guess the game takes place in New York. I never noticed. Yeah. But, yeah that was surprising know, I, to see. Yeah. Yeah. That was pretty funny. But it's, it's, you know, it's like Double Dragon. Um, you're ninja. You can climb walls. You can hang off things. The biggest thing I found, the biggest annoyance was the gameplay seemed pretty good. It was just, there was no shadows on anything, and I don't know if this was a MAME issue or if this is how it was in the arcade, but there's a lot of sections where you have to jump over, like, chasms, Mm -hmm. or um, you have to grab on uh, pipes to swing across, to, like, go across, you know, pits and stuff. And you can't judge because there's no shadows. You can't judge where you have to jump. And when you have, like, three enemies, like, hitting into you, you know, and, and knocking you into pits and stuff... I saw that. I found that a little be irritating. I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I got that sense too. Like you were jumping and jumping, and you're like, "Why can't I grab a hold?" Yeah, of this you're thing? trying to grab onto things, and then you're just like, "Oh no, you have to just be like a little, you know, centimeter up, and then you can grab onto mm-hmm. it." Right. A bit unfair. Yeah, yeah. So that's all. That's pretty much all I played. I played a little bit more of that tap baseball game. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's definitely uh, how, how do you say? 
like one of those money grabber games. Like <laughs> every two seconds, they're asking you to buy stuff. I'm like, no, I'm not gonna, not gonna buy anything. Mm. But I'm still playing. I mean, I have a still a decent record for my team. It's just uh, they limit you to like five games a day or a week or something like full games. Mm-hmm. But you can still do quick like one inning type things. And uh, they just want you to upgrade your team. So to upgrade your team, you have to use gold. And, you know, you earn gold per game, but you hardly earn anything. So you have to, like, buy gold, really, to make any type of impact to your team. I didn't know baseball teams ran on gold. Yeah, I know. It's, like, literally gold (laughs) bars. (laughs) That's interesting. There's other things to buy, too. It's, like, ice packs you can buy for your pitcher. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, What was the other thing? Um, There's some other item, too, you can buy. But, I don't know. It's kind of fun. I'm still having fun with it for now. Mm -hmm. Cool. That's what they want. Well, you keep playing in case you might spend. You never know. On the game. Yeah, I could see how someone could easily just be like, "Oh, I'll spend you know twenty bucks, just mm-hmm. buy some gold." As long as you're playing, there's a chance you could spend on. Yeah. It. So that's good. That's cool. it. Very nice. Very nice. Very nice. Yeah. Now, did you get anything this week? Did you run into any good finds or? Uh, I could did pick deals? up a couple of things. Um, nothing. Nothing too interesting. Um, so Kmart is apparently getting out of the uh, game selling business. Yeah, for a while now. They've been paring down their game section a little at a time, and lately they're actually starting to mark things down. Um, so I happened to go into a Kmart nearby, um, and I found a couple of things. I, they had Beyond Two Souls, which was a PS3 exclusive. It was... Um, one of these um, sort of interactive adventure style games, hmm. similar to Heavy Rain. Same Weird. development team there. Never heard of it. Um, yeah, it was. It came out pretty close to the tail end of the PS3's uh, run. I mean, PS3 is still active. But, you know, before the PS4 was launched, it was kind of the last big year yeah. of uh, first party releases. Uh, so I picked that up for $12. Um, it was marked 60% off. Of their already reduced price or whatever. So I figured that was kind of fair enough mm-hmm. uh, for a new game. Um, and I also noticed um, Super Scribble Knots for <laughs> Nintendo DS was there. And uh, with the discount, I picked that up for $6.80. So a little bit of uh, for That's font. not 3DS. That's just regular uh, regular DS. Regular DS, yep. Now you needed this game? I didn't Couldn't need it. Just need it. This? Is this something that you can just put on your... M4 card or heavy, <laughs> or whatever I use for the DS so like, nowadays. How do you like? Where do you draw the line of buying like every game you see or mm-hmm. games that you could be like, oh well, I can always play this other ways. Then. It's a good question. <laughs> um, I don't know uh, if I see, it's if it's the right combination of a game I've been meaning to play plus. I see it for a good price plus you know it's new, it's not used, so. You know, maybe I can, you know, grab it and add it to the library. It's a pretty fun game, actually, that one. Mm-hmm. They have it on iOS, too. There's a whole... This, I mean, it's become a big series. Um, and, you know, I don't know... Some of the, I don't know if the newer games are quite as, you know, innovative or as original mm-hmm. as the, the first ones were, but they keep taking it in new directions. Yeah, I, I gotta say, I did get bored with it pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. But I thought the idea was, like, very interesting. The first yeah. time I played it, I was like, wow, this is amazing. <laughs> You're always amazed by the the dictionary in the I game know. and how many how, different things can you put crazy. into it. It's crazy. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, it somehow still knows what you mean yeah. and can generate an object for you. So that's pretty, pretty cool. Um, the other thing I picked up this week was um, I did get Bloodborne for PS4, finally. Wow. Um, you know, it's been kind of um, the subject of a, a bit of a hype train. <laughs> it seems to be game of the year so far. People seem to really like it. It's a PS4 exclusive. Yeah. So um, it was $20 off at Best Buy this week. Uh, it was down from the normal 59 to 39 um, but of course I get my Gamers Club discount on that, so that becomes 32 and then I had a $5 wow. coupon from Best Buy to say, like... You're like the frugal shopper. I look for ways. <laughs> um, so that so with the $5 off, that brought it down to 27 So um, Seems pretty good. Yeah. Figured that was a good way to get a, a brand new game. I'm looking forward for to price. review on that game, because... From all the initial things about it, it doesn't seem like a game I would like because it just sounds very frustrating mm-hmm. and everything about it's slow paced, you know, there's, you, you die a lot, right. loading times, like everything I hate in games. But yet, I watched some of the, the Twitch channels of it and it looks pretty cool. The monsters look really good, the sound effect, everything looks nice. Mm-hmm. And everyone just says it's like a really good game. Like, this is such a great game, this is such a great game. I don't know. Yeah. Like, I don't want to spend 60 or $50 <clears throat> on this game and then find out, you know, well, this you, is not for me. <laughs> I yeah. wish it was a demo or something to, to try. Yeah, I don't know if there is a demo for this game. I don't think there is. But but it is from, from software. Yeah. <laughs> and it is sort of in the same spirit as the, Which I've never the Souls games the Souls that games. came before uh-huh. that. So, yeah, I guess if you don't want to commit to this game yet... And I bought this not having played any of those games either. Oh, okay. So it's not as if I really loved those games and wanted more of it. Uh-huh. I just It just seemed like, well, you know, good price, you know, a good game to play on the, on the new system. So I wanted to just dive in now. And so while the game was still kind of hot, I wanted, yeah, to, I wanted yeah. to know what it was more, what, what it was like. Huh. So that was my motivation. Maybe at some point you'll try it out. <laughs> at some point. <laughs> It's so it's in if the you queue. Can free up space on that PS4 hard drive of yours. My that that nice vast empty <laughs> hard drive. It's not completely empty. The PT demo's on there. Okay. Oh, you grabbed that. Okay. Of course. Smart. Uh huh. So how about you? Did you grab anything? Not a whole lot. Uh, one thing I picked up, I technically didn't pick up, and it wasn't even this week. But uh, it was it was a gift actually from a member of the digital press store in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And he's also one of the creators of the Video Game History Museum, mm-hmm. John Hardy. Yep. He gave me an Atari wallet. It's a silver, uh, I would say, like, more long-style wallet, not the fat type. Right. Uh, it's silver, and it has blue color, and it has the Atari logo on the front, the Fuji symbol. Mm-hmm. And it was, it seems, you know, it's not brand new, it seems used, but it's in good shape. Right. And uh, he actually gave it to you to give to me. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> because uh, I didn't get, get to see him that day when we were hanging out, but um, it was a nice gift. I appreciate it, and, you know, definitely take care of it. I right. I probably won't use it, just because I don't want to ruin it. Um, but you never know. I, I might change it. I might use it for special occasions, like Classic Gaming Expo or something. <laughs> 
But um, no, that was cool. I didn't. I never saw it before. I didn't know Atari made wallets. I didn't know they were in the wallet business. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess at some point. Do you know if it was an? It's an old item, or is it? He wasn't quite sure himself, but he seems to think it was. Like, yeah. Um, yeah it, I mean, it kind of looks and feels like it would be. Um, it doesn't. You know, it does have the old style logo. It doesn't have like the newer. Hasbro's inspired oh, right. Atari logo. So, because um, I, I mean, I have an iPad case that has the Atari logo right. on it, and that one is correct, also, I believe, if I remember. Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't quite sure, but I'm, I'm, I'm leaning towards yes. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Okay. I also bad. picked up uh, a book. <laughs> a book? You said? I know you don't know me to read ever. A real book? No. Well, sort of. It's a digital book. I, I picked up... Uh, it's called Hardcore Gaming 101 Presents The Unofficial Guide to Konami Shooters. Mm. <laughs> it's the Kindle edition. Oh, nice. So I had some Amazon credit that I had to use. It was going to expire. Very smart. Yeah. So I picked this up on Kindle. It's from uh, Kurt Collada. Oh, yeah. Sure. And we actually met him. At one of our Nava, right, events? He did Not stop Not too in. long ago, maybe like last year? Yeah, it was because within the last year. It was right when he... Because he has a series of these hardcore gaming one-on-one books. He has a Castlevania theme book and a Sega book, which I think he, which was he was promoting when he, when he stopped right. in the store I that had, day. I picked up the Sega arcade book. I don't know if he has other ones, but I know of those three. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was actually going to buy the Sega one, but then I saw this, this shooter one, this Konami shooter one. Right. Well, it also mentioned that he's the... Uh, Operator and owner, I guess, or um, you know, heavily involved with the Hardcore Gaming One Hundred One dot net website, which is really I did not even know this existed. <laughs> yeah, this is the site that a lot of these um, great articles come out in. Of, oh, okay. Of um, retro games, obscure, deep analyses of various gaming series. I mean, definitely, um, I could see why you know he would create books like this because. This is the type of analysis he does on his website. Oh, okay, good. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, his, when I flipped through some of his other books, it seemed well-written. You know, there's a lot, it's a little text-heavy, but mm-hmm. it's okay. Right. Um, but the reason I went for the Konami one was because I actually wasn't aware of how many shooters that Konami had. And I, know, I started noticing... Um, like, I'm thinking, all right, you know, Gradius, Life Force, uh, Gradius 2, 3... You know, like that series, Parodius. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking, well, what else do they have? So I'm looking through it, and there and there's like you know 40 sh- shoot 'em ups that they have. Um, this book covers them all from Gradius One, Two, Three, Four, Five, Nemesis, uh, the Twin B games, Stinger, um, some of the weird ones like Axelay, Ajax, uh, which was one of my favorites in mine. I used to play. Uh, even the Parodius series, um, Quarth is on there. Odomedius, excellent. So this covers like the whole gamut of the Konami shooters. So I'm I'm looking forward to reading through some of these <laughs> and maybe discover some new ones that maybe I never yeah up. sure I thought I was familiar with a lot of it but obviously not. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Yeah. So um, so so here's the thing. Now I bought it on the Kindle store because mm-hmm. it was pretty cheap. And I'm thinking, cool, I'll just put it on the iPad, you know, that were my other books that I've downloaded. But what I didn't know was the Kindle books are locked to Kindle's app. Like, you can't, they're not files that you can just 
download and just you know mm-hmm. use any browser you want. Right. They're ma- they're they're attached to your Amazon account. Basically. Yeah. So if I want to look at it, I got to download the Kindle app now mm-hmm. and, and read it through Kindle, Very which kind of stinks because with like Amazon's MP3s, which I buy often, you can just click the download button on the browser and it just downloads in. I just drag it into iTunes and I listen to it in there. Mm-hmm. But this is different, so now I'm kind of I'm a little bummed about that. That it's an extra step. Right. Well, so I well, like keeping everything in one spot. I don't like fragmented files all over the place. Yeah. Well, those Amazon MP3s are are not. I guess they're DRM free, so yeah. you, you can move them into any library you want. But obviously, um, eBooks, unless they are specifically being offered as DRM free, are going to have some kind of store library that they're locked behind. Yeah. I thought it was um, going to be a PDF file. I can just <laughs> well, look at it on, on my desktop or yeah. anything else. Well, you know, Apple's um, iBooks, I guess, yeah. are usually in the EPUB format. That's kind of the sort of um, open standard that... You could think of EPUB as sort of like the MP3 of the eBook world. You uh-huh. know, so it's kind of like the... It's kind of the... Um, uh, how do you want to put it? Like, kind of the, the the way that books can be published in any variety of devices, or and so on. Um, and a bit like PDFs, I guess, but more lightweight. Yeah. Typically, EPUBs are more like um, I don't know. I guess the file structure is a little different. It's quite. It's not quite as format heavy. Um, but Amazon, you know, with their Kindle format, they kind of use their own proprietary format mm. even though epub is all open it can be used with secure um files as well so there is like sort of a drm version of epub um but meanwhile amazon uses their own thing um and i forget exactly what what they call it now, usually it's like the moby format but then there's also the azw format Hmm. Um, so yeah, so pe- look into this. so pretty much they use their own thing. Kind of, I'm and sure you, there's a hack or something to export. Well, but you know there are benefits though uh, with the Kindle in terms of. I mean, I don't have one, but I do know that you can do cloud syncing between devices. So if you have multiple tablets, mm. for example, you can oh, open like the bookmark. book on one. Okay, remembers your bookmarks. So let's say you want to look uh, at it on your phone. Let's well, say you want to go I, home I and open it on your too. pad. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I think iBooks does that also. Right. Right. But that's again. That's that would be only for Apple devices. Yeah, yeah. Um, this you can look. Right, on. Kindles all across everything: PC and tablet, phone, Android. Mm-hmm. It's on everything. Yeah, right. So, I guess this is your first taste. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> How much was the book? Do you remember? The book was, I believe, it was eight dollars, mm-hmm. and I had a five dollar credit, so I only had to pay three. Okay. I think the actual, like, the physical book is something like 20, maybe. Mm-hmm. 15, 20, I think. It's not too bad. But, like, so I, I like digital just because I don't have the room for all the books. I don't want to carry all this heavy paper and stuff. Only the time I make an exception sometimes are for, like, art books. Right. So I like I like seeing the, the photography or the, the illustrations, like, in full glossy stock paper. Mm-hmm. So those tend to be more expensive. Though, but you know, yeah. I mean, that's that's. But if it's just kind of reading, decoration and, for your coffee table. Yeah, I mean, like his the book, like this in this case, it's mostly just screen grabs from their from video games. So I don't need to see that on you know right. a fancy book or anything. I can just digitally look at that. It's all about that's the fine. data. Yeah, yeah. Right, makes sense. But another interesting thing happened this week. 
Right? As, as the rain and thunder pours outside. <laughs> yeah. We had, uh, we had an invitation to be part of um, an event at this month's uh, NAVA meeting at Digital Press. Um, we were uh, a, a team of contestants on a, a famous game show that a, everyone remembers. A game show that's on many of our um, minds and, you know. <laughs> if you had TBS in 1983, then you probably remember the show. Mm-hmm. It's called Starcade. Right. It has nothing to do with the WCW wrestling promotion from the same time period or around the 90s, whenever that was. Mm-hmm. But this one has one R, not two. Starcade. And it's a game show where you play video games, arcade games, and uh, you win fabulous prizes such as metal detectors and Casio keyboards. And accounting calculators. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and what every kid wants. Home computers. TI-99. Yeah, sometimes they had robots, too, as gifts. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes you win the arcade game at the end, too. Yeah. If you can beat their high score challenge. Right. But this was not on the line this No, this, time. this was just done out of the press store. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was us. Uh, this was Team Brooklyn. And it was Team uh, Drunkards, I think. <laughs> something like that. <laughs> and then the other one was like Team uh, Straight Out of Pompton or something like that. Right. Which is a, a town in Jersey. Local town. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the choices, there were five games you got to choose from. Frogger, Pac-Man, Kung Fu Master, and... Galaga. Galaga. What was the other one? I'm trying to think of the other one. Um, there I'm was one more. i up here. There was one more, right? Yeah. Did we play it? We didn't get to play it, I don't think. No, I guess not. Maybe hmm. that was it. Hmm. I don't know. Five games, I thought. Yeah, there was five. Did we say all five? <laughs> <laughs> I'm losing it. But any, at any rate, it's, t- it's the typical format, right? Yeah. Where you, yeah. You're, given a qu- you're given a question... Yeah, and then we we had Xbox. So Frankie from who you know who deals with digital press and everything, he set up this whole thing, and he had uh, an Xbox or PC, I should say, hooked up to Xbox controllers. Mm-hmm. Those are buzzers, and those are the buzzers. Yeah, it was pretty cool how he had set up. And then he would ask you ask a question, and the first team that buzzes in has to answer the question. And if you answer first and you get it right, then you get to choose what game you want to play. Mm-hmm. And then you set the high score, so you're going to be setting the tone for the other two teams. Uh, oh, by the way, Donkey Kong was the other game. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. How can we forget that? Because <laughs> we didn't get to play it. Oh, right. That's yeah. one. True. But, uh, yeah, so, you know, simple trivia question. You first want to buzz in gets to choose the game they want to play. And uh-huh. presumably you pick the game that you you think you're going to be good yeah, at. Yeah, usually you'd pick your best game. Uh-huh. Or, you know, that you're going to high sc- a game that you can score a lot of points with because mm-hmm. it's really accumulation of points across all the games you play. Yeah. That uh, determines the team score. So, you're going to want to pick a game that that does generate a lot of points. Yes. Which is good because if you lose one round, then you could have such a great game in the next round that those points could could just, you know, carry over and beat the other team's, mm-hmm. you know, points. Right. So, yeah, so how, how, what would you say? How did we do? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, unfortunately, we didn't win. And that's all that matters. We, uh, uh, <laughs> but it was say we, we lost and lost badly. But it was a good time. Uh, oh, it's totally fun. Well, this was something I've wanted to do since the show was first on. Mm-hmm. So going back to when Starcade was first on, I didn't have cable. Uh, you know, I had just regular antenna. Mm-hmm. However, my uh, my dad's friend had TBS, 
and he would make these VHS tapes for me and bring them home sometimes. And I would pop them in. I'm like, this show's amazing. You know, it's like I get to watch people playing arcade games. It's right. like back then, you know, we didn't have I, you know, YouTube. Um, video games really never got exposure on TV, like really ever. So, you know, if you really wanted to watch this stuff, it was impossible. So to see, like, the games that you want to play, like, on TV was amazing. And, uh, well, you know, watching high scores and stuff. And, you know, they would mention tips sometimes about it. Or they would have in the, in the intermissions, um, like, special, like, uh, tidbits going on in the industry. Like, new games coming out or things, new technologies. Um, just fun facts about arcade games. So it was a really fun show. Mm. Yeah, it was always exciting to see anything yeah, game if, related. Again, if you had access to it, because it wasn't available to, to rent or buy. And I definitely didn't. If you didn't have cable, you know, it wasn't back now where everyone... That was me. Yeah, so me too. I didn't, it just wasn't wired in my neighborhood, mm-hmm. so... Right. It's crazy, and we lived in New York City, you know, it's like... <laughs> well, that's part of the problem. It's a, because it's a, it's a dense, heavily developed area, it's not so easy to run cabling through it, and there was a lot of... Um, wheeling and dealing uh-huh. that had to be done to finally wire up, you know, residential neighborhoods for, yep. for cable in our in our where we grew up. Amazing stuff. Yeah. So you didn't watch it back then at D- all. Did not. Okay. Did not. Didn't have cable until probably late. So I was just super lucky. Mid nineties. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so I guess the the first game we got to play was Galaga. I think I was first up. So yeah, so we had to choose a partner, and you know, I, I gave that one to you because I I know you play Galaga a lot, mm-hmm. and I play a lot too. But I feel like I for some reason I feel like you're better at it than me. Well, so I, I gave did, that one to you. I did not win that opening round. No, <laughs> sorry to say. No, sorry to say. Yeah, uh, we we didn't we came close though on that one. That mm-hmm. was at least close, <laughs> right in the ballpark, as opposed to the games that I played. <laughs> well, so ma- round two, yeah, round two was Frogger. Frogger was the second game picked, yeah. and so Frogger is not my strong game. I'll, I'll admit it. I, I've played it a lot, but it's just not a game that I'm really that great at. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't realize that. If you play one round, then the other person has to play the next round. Mm-hmm. So now I was forced to play Frogger, mm. which was a little like uh, I don't know, whatever. You know, I, I'm I'm okay at it. I'm not like that horrible, but it's not like out of those five games, that's probably my weakest. Mm-hmm. So uh, Frogger did not do very well with me. <laughs> I scored a total of 190 points. Yikes! And if you ever played Frogger, you would know. That is a extremely low score. Mm-hmm. That is barely even like moving your character at all. Because right. every every space you move, I think you get 10, 10 points or a hundred points or something. Well, so you had, yeah, you did have to deal with some. So there was a movement. handicap, and I know this is excuses, but the main cabinet they because you play off a main cabinet and you know in digital digital press, and they have these. Um, it uses the bat style arcade sticks, which mm. doesn't have a four way gate. It's just around you know the the if you're using x x arcade it's the bat style joystick with no gate um it's just a round circle kind of so from right there alone it's not something that i'm used to in playing arcade games Mm -hmm. and then on top of it the the controllers are not calibrated right or the the leaf switches are not right underneath so you know when you move up it may not move up it might move like right Mm -hmm. or you know you might have to move like a little bit diagonal to make your character move up so it's, it's it's pretty off. Um, as someone like myself who don't I don't play that machine often or ever, uh, it was a really 
I, I, I totally threw me off. Yeah, I mean, you could sort of maybe train yourself a little bit if you had enough yeah, practice, yeah. but just off the bat, it feels a little uncalibrated. It was tough. I, I wish I had a little warm-up mm-hmm. to get used to that, how that controller worked. Right. See, so um, when, I, when I played Galaga, though, I only had to deal with left-right motion, so yeah. it really wasn't... It was just a matter of shooting. It yeah. just wasn't that bad uh, for, for that initial round. So you have, like, a minute. So what we wouldn't say is you have a minute to play, mm-hmm. and you have to get your highest score you can in that minute. So it's not always a matter of getting to the next level or you know you, you want to know you got to really know the game and like how do you score the most amount of points in such a short amount of time right so keeping in that that one minute time limit in mind when i played galaga i was not going for a ship capture because i felt like well that was just going right. to eat up too much of the clock and they gave that advice to go for the ship capture but that would have been almost impossible because right there really isn't enough time to do you that. have to almost clear the entire board and wait for that command ship to come down yeah capture your ship spin back up to the top and then wait for it to attack yeah. to free your ship it just would have eaten up too much of the uh-huh. time too risky yeah so i wasn't gonna go for that in um, uh, frogger the only thing you can go for is the flies right and that's kind of a little bit of luck involved in that mm-hmm. i mean there's some skill too because you still have to navigate your frog into the spot where the fly is but um, I was going for more for speed. Right. I figured if I can do it quick enough, um, you know, because I figured the flies weren't going to work in my favor. And you don't get the lady frog, which gives you a decent amount of points, I think, until stage two. Mm-hmm. So, uh, needless to say, I know, 190 points, I didn't even get one frog in any of the spots. Yeah. Um, my game actually ended within the first, like, 20 seconds. Right. Yeah, if you're running the lives, it's... Yeah, I mean, I, I died almost instantly, minute. because I couldn't move... I was moving up, and it was moving, like, to the right, so I was... It just wasn't controlling, so... Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the other teams had to deal with this, too. Yeah, yeah. The, needless to... Yeah, I mean, if Team you look Drunk at our scores, all our scores ship. were bad. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, you know, some did better than others, but... Right. It was not a, a pretty attempt. Um, the next game we played, which was the final round, mm-hmm. was uh, Pac-Man. Mm-hmm. And actually, I scored the right answer on this. I buzzed in quick enough. Mm-hmm. I took a bit of a gamble. I chose Pac-Man over Donkey Kong because, and over Kung Fu, was because I figured the controls are bad. Like, I know this. I know there's no four-way gate. And I'm pretty good at compensating for that. Because I even play, I mean, I'm, I'm a master at Pac-Man on the iPad. Mm-hmm. And people say, like, it's unplayable on the iPad. And I'm good at that. So I figured, like, all right, if I can do pretty good at, uh, you know, an eight-way joystick on Pac-Man, I have a feeling no everyone's going to do worse than me. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, I thought wrong <laughs> because I could not control Pac-Man at all. I could not control him at all. So I pretty much died like almost instantly. I think I think I got one power pellet, and when I tried going for the ghost, I got like one, and I just could not navigate. I was totally lost in the game. I could not control it at all, and it got to a point where I was like kind of banging the stick and. One of the guys who works there was, like, kind of saying, like, what are you banging it for? You're going to break it. <laughs> and I'm like, I can't control it. Like, I, I could not move my character. Mm. So, yeah, so I scored an extremely low, low one, of, one of the worst games of Pac-Man I ever played. Um, and, you know, the other teams, one did okay. Yeah, I think he almost cleared the level or did clear the level. But, yeah, the other team didn't do good at all. Um, so, mm-hmm. again, it was not... You know, Pac-Man's finest moment. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, but, so, yeah. So, that was. I think that was all the actual gameplay that we got in. Yeah, that's it. It was only those three games. Um, and then they tally up the score. and Right. And there was there was um, the Name the Game there segment. There was a bonus. So, the, after round two, 
the team that has the most amount of points plays the name the game segment, which is like five game screens, mm-hmm. and you have to guess. They give you two choices, multiple choice, and you have to guess the game right. by looking at the picture. So it was funny because I think the team with the least amount of arcade history um, got picked. It's a good; they had the highest score. And so, and this is one of my strong points because I know like every arcade game in the book practically. Mm-hmm. So the game starts, and um, you know that they stay, and we're not allowed to participate. We're just you know we just view it. And the first game is up, and I know the game the game right away, like a second. Mm-hmm. And the kids are guessing, and and, and the, I think the first one was Black Tiger. And Frankie's like, "Is this Black Tiger or a Magic Sword?" And I and I see them talking about it, and it's just like I just want to like rip my hair out because it's so easy. <laughs> it's like. You didn't even have to tell me the multiple choice. I know it. I think they only got two out of five on that one, right? Uh, no, three out of five they got. And they won the DVD. Really? Yeah, there was a DVD gift. Oh, right. Yeah, but they almost got one wrong, and they, and they, mm-hmm. they got it right. So. And uh, I guess at the end, when the winner was finally picked, they awarded the trophies? Yeah, well, they, they picked the game. So the, the final round, and this is when the winner is picked, they have to compete the one final game to get the grand prize. Oh, that's right. It was one and, more. Yeah, so mm-hmm. they, they picked Kung Fu Master at their final game. Mm-hmm. And this one, instead of facing teams, now you're facing the house high score. Right. And in this case, they did like, um, you know, they picked 20 people to play the game and they picked the average high score. So um, they had a minute, you know, to beat this high score and they couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. So they actually lost the last final rounds. Um, unfortunately, you know, if you won, you would have got these little trophies they made. Um, but because they didn't win, they didn't get the trophies. I don't know if they gave them the trophies anyway, but... Oh, is that how it works? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I thought that was like another bonus. On the TV one. show, you would win that game that you play. Right, That right. last game. Or whatever that grand prize was. But in this one, the grand prize was going to be, um, I think, a Super Mario figure and the two trophies, the gold trophies or mm. something. Yeah, the trophies were pretty slick. They was, were, yeah, uh, they were spray-painted... Pac-Man or Space Invader candy cabinets, mm-hmm. like the little um, mints or something that come in the little container, right. and they he mounted it onto like a little pedestal. It was really cool. Yeah, good. Kudos uh, to uh, Leo of Digital Press who yeah, came up yeah. with that. So it was qu- actually much quicker than I thought it was going to be. It was maybe a half hour, mm-hmm. or twenty either, maybe like fifteen minutes. Right. It was pretty well put together. They, you know, they had video cameras and stuff. I don't know if he filmed the whole event though. Right. They were filming the game screens, but. So, I don't know if we'll have footage to upload and maybe YouTube link it or something. But mm-hmm. I had fun, and even though I lost and lost embarrassingly, <laughs> I still had a good time. Glad and it happened. Yeah. You know, I've waited 20 or 30 years for that moment, but... <laughs> well, maybe we can have one once a year. We're going to try to work that out. It would be cool. Yeah. Here's the latest video game news from the Starcade Hotline. Yeah, I mean it's it's been pretty light recently in terms of uh, yeah the build up gaming E3, news. Right? That's I think that's what it is. I think um, a lot of um, a lot of you know <laughs> companies are holding back and waiting to release the huge tidal wave that goes out <laughs> when E three is happening. Uh, I guess about two weeks from now. So, yeah, yeah. So we'll see what comes of that. This is almost like the tide going out. You know, like when the when a big wave is approaching, the tide goes out. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Are we doing any it, predictions? It gets sucked away. Not yet. Uh, let's let's hold off on that. Okay. Let's let's think about what we might see. Yeah. Maybe we'll talk about that on next week's show before okay. before E three comes. Okay. Um, but in the meantime, 
we do have a couple of things. Uh, we've got um, word from Capcom that they're going to be digging deeper into their HD remakes to um, maybe uh, increase their their bottom line a bit. I guess the company's been in a bit of a slump. They've and been in a slump. Their pachinko machines are not making money like they used to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think they most recently announced that Resident Evil Zero is going to get the HD remake treatment. That was previously a GameCube exclusive title. Wow. Uh, I did get a re-release on the Wii. Yeah. Um, but that was pretty much just a port of the GameCube oh, game. Oh, right, okay. So, not really much in terms of enhancements there. Uh, but this one's going to get the full HD makeover. Um... And I guess they're going to um, put it out on, you know, all the current-gen systems. Like, and they're, they're doing this because they said the Resident Evil remake did much better than they expected. Right, yeah. We've so heard that like, before. <laughs> so you can say, well, oh, I'm sick of remakes and all this stuff, but people are buying it. So mm-hmm. I, I guess people want these things. Otherwise, they wouldn't make them. Yeah, I mean... And, they're, and Capcom's even saying, like, it's making them money, and they didn't even expect it. Right. Right, and it, and it's probably it doesn't cost that much to do because the game already is made. They're not exactly they don't have to like invent a new game from scratch. They're basically taking an existing title. Um, they probably have some pretty high quality art assets already for these games. So yeah. They probably don't even have to redo the graphics that much. Yeah, um, it's just a question of you know sprucing it up and getting it ready for for current gen systems. Um, for me. Uh, if it's a game I haven't played, I'm all for it. I mean, I know I know a lot of people say like I'd rather see them put the effort in to make an original game, but this is probably coming in at a fraction of the amount of of uh, effort required. So, yeah, I, for a title like this, which I haven't played personally, I wouldn't mind yeah, taking it for a spin. Mm-hmm. I understand that it's maybe not quite as good as as um, you know RE One, but mm, still a solid yeah. entry in the series. You know what they should have remade mm. in HD? The speed Rumbler. <laughs> That's what they should have done. Tie, tie in with the whole Mad Max movie. I mm-hmm. don't know. Uh, I, guess, I think there's still time. Yeah, I don't know. An unofficial tie-in, perhaps. Yeah, we all, yeah, of course. You don't want to get sued or anything. Right. Um, yeah, so I'm looking forward to it. I haven't played the RE1 remake either, so... I think that's on sale this week, actually. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I can go back to these old Resident Evil games. Yeah, it's quite different from They're Resident Evil like 4. The ones, yeah. So. No. But I'm sure they'll oh, get to that sale, one. Oh, for sale, maybe, or something. I'll give it a try. Mm-hmm. Good idea. Uh, so, how, what do we got here? We got another story. Okay. We, we've got word that Twitch is making a policy to um, not allow any games that have been rated adults only to be streamed on I thought that the was site. already a, pol- a policy. Um, no? I don't know. I guess they're sort of making it official. And what games are adult only? Well... The Grand Theft Auto series? Uh, no. No, right? I mean, Actually that's, not. If anything was going to be like something like that. Yeah, those, I know those Call those of Duty's mature. Those games were all M-rated. Yeah. Um, I think it... I mean, typically it seems that the games that get an adults only rating are... Something that it might have, might have um, more like a, of uh, sexual content, I would think. I'll go thirteen. 
<laughs> Not even. Well, for example, Indigo Prophecy, a game that came out overseas as Fahrenheit, um, there was a um, director's cut version of this game that I think had some more uh, explicit scenes in it, and that one ended up getting an adults-only rating, even though the original game was an M rating. Really? Yeah. And the same mm. for Manhunt 2 Uncut. Um, I imagine that game was probably more for violence than anything. And um, really, people think it's because of this new game called Hatred. Um, it seems to be in direct response to um, this game that is seems to have like a lot of extreme violence in it as well. Um, this one is, I think, something like you're either a serial killer or some kind of shooting spree type of, um, you know... I don't know. You're, you're some kind of criminal in this game. Uh-huh. I don't know much about it. Um, but it, I, I don't blame Twitch for doing something like this. I, I imagine there's not a whole lot of reason they would want something like this on their on their um, site. I mean, if it is, if it, you know, if it is called adults only, like yeah. how do they really enforce that? I mean, I don't think making a registered account and then having to be verified is like, I don't know if that's something that's even available on their site at the moment. So they probably don't even have the infrastructure in place to necessarily sort of enforce any kind of like age restricted content. So I don't know. I I think it probably doesn't help them a whole lot to have something like that on there. So that's, I imagine that's the sort of motivation behind it. You don't want kids looking at this stuff. Well, certainly not. I mean, so here's you, a, who needs that at, kind of heat? <laughs> here's a list of games, and it's pretty small. Right. Um, just to go through, if all nude cyber, uh, I guess this is a series, the all nude series, uh, body language, critical point, crystal fantasy, cyber for, photographer, Eden. Mm. I don't remember that one. A Fairy of Tale 2, Fahrenheit, Indigo Prophecy, you talked about San Andreas, uh, Grand Theft Auto, well, the hot coffee. This is the one that's been, right, that didn't have the hot coffee mod patched out. Yep. So. Uh, something called Hatred. Right, that's the game that we're, yeah. we're dealing with right now. Yep. Um, yeah. Now, keep in mind, retailers don't want to carry adults-only games. They don't want to carry AO games on their shelf no. because they feel like, I don't know, either they're not going to sell very well or they don't want to attract certain type of uh, customer that would want these type of games. I don't know what it is, but whether, you know, typically they don't want, these aren't box games anymore. Typically these are digital games anyway. So. Manhunt 2, the uncut version. The uncut version. I gotta get that one. (laughs) You feel it's on your list now. Yeah, I always wanted that because I have the Wii version and they cut that one up to shreds. Right. Well, I think this is this is I imagine this is a PC game because yeah, Windows because um, the Wii version was more censored than the PS2 and Xbox versions that came before it. So I think because that was a Nintendo platform, that one yeah. probably got censored even more, which makes you wonder why they even wanted to make it. But probably something to do with the motion controls. Yep, I think. Because it's almost like you're literally, like, not literally, but, like, right. you're, you're attacking, putting a bag over the guy's head and you have to, like, shake the controller to mm-hmm. choke the guy. Right. Remember Th- Thrill Kill? Remember that game? That never came out. No, I actually had, I played the demo. Right. I actually had a demo of that. Yeah, there was a leaked version of that game that yep. eventually came out, but, yeah, never, that, this, that was canceled. That was ridiculous that that's adult only. That's mm-hmm. stupid. I don't even know why you would even bother rating a game that didn't come out. 
Yeah, right? So, so now here is the, the interesting workaround now. Mm-hmm. You could still Twitch these adult-only games. The catch is, as long as they're not rated adult-only. Mm. So if you want to stream, like, uh, Custer's Revenge from Atari, uh-huh. or even some of the, like, Mahjong games, you know, go right ahead. <laughs> go to town. I see. So it only applies to games that are actually officially rated. You know, you, no, no, it's a good one. X Men for twenty six hundred. I don't know. You'll get a lot of hits from that because people think it's the X Men movie. Uh, it is spelled differently. I well, it's X Men. It said X Men. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you put it in parentheses. <laughs> That's misleading. That's false advertising. <laughs> We're talking about subscribers here. This mm-hmm. is important stuff. Mm-hmm. Alright So yeah I don't know Whatever Adult only games Yeah it wasn't People high on my list up. anyway <laughs> But yeah I could see I, I wouldn't Honestly I would be Surprised if they even Attempted to do this In the future Even if they did have Like Like ways to sort of Police you know Who could see These type of streams I would think there's just Not much of a market for it Yeah Indeed uh, but how about um, what if adult I told you watches? <laughs> what if I told you that you had to be an adult to to buy a Pac-Man watch? Because I say that's not fair. Well, what? what if I said it's because of the price tag attached to it? That's still not fair. Because <laughs> now I'm an adult and I still can't buy it. All right. So if you if you if you had the spare change, would you spend? Approximately fifteen thousand five hundred dollars on a Pac-Man watch. Yes, you would. If I had, well, if it was spare change, yeah. If fifteen thousand dollars was considered spare change, I would buy that in a second. Mm-hmm. Um, like realistically, <laughs> right? I could not afford that even in the best conditions. <laughs> I can't imagine having that type of money to blow on a watch. Uh, this is, um, and it's not even. It's not even like. It's not uh, even a game. Right. It's just a decorative watch. There's um, there's a couple of different Pac-Man styles with this watch. This is made by... So you can't even collect them all. Um, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right. Romain Jerome is the, uh, That's the, the artist, Swiss company yeah. that is oh. uh, making this. Okay. Yeah, this is a Swiss watchmaker. Um, these look really high de- highly detailed. Yeah, they look pretty cool. But again, it's not a game. It's kind of representative of the game. Mm-hmm. There's no gameplay. There's nothing digital. It's all analog. It's an analog watch. Um, it's got kind of a black and white maze background. Or black and gray, I guess. Um, and you've got Pac-Man with some ghosts. Yeah. Um, there's a couple of different variations. There's one with the ghosts that are like kind of energized. <laughs> and there's one that's sort of they're, they're blacked out for some reason. They're like yeah, just in kind yeah. of a black and white mode. I kind of like that one. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's kind of stylish. Yeah, because the Pac-Man really pops, like the color. Mm-hmm. These are super limited too. Um, only twenty available wow. worldwide, which I guess makes sense for the for the for that, for that price tag. Yeah, they also make Space Invader versions of the watch. Saw that on their site. Yeah, yeah. This. So I know I know Pac-Man's one of your favorites. Yeah, and Space Invaders is on my list. Okay. Of uh, favorite Christmas games. presents, maybe. <laughs> so I'll make you a deal. You uh, you buy me the Space Invaders one, and I'll get you the Pac Man one. I think that works out pretty good. That's a fair deal, right? 
Uh, I, I think it's funny because you when I, when I see stuff like that, mm-hmm. I put it in perspective. The Apple Watch, which you know, to me even that seems expensive, and that's only like three forty nine. I think it starts at right, right. And that you get like a real. Well, I mean, they're all real watches, but I mean, you get like a, a microprocessor and stuff where you can do. You well, can there play is games the high on end that, and the high end one is the same. It's just gold, you know. Right, but that's, all, the but that's a lot more expensive. It's like also like fifteen thousand or twenty thousand or something. Ten thousand or so. Yeah. Hmm. But this is no gold on this watch. I don't know why it's so much money. I still don't understand that. Uh, yeah, this is something that I've not taken the plunge into these high end watches. I don't get it. Yeah, this is not Can for you me. Imagine having something on your body that's worth fifteen thousand dollars. It's definitely a luxury item. I cannot highly even, highly decorative. I mean, much I, more much more than just telling time. I don't even like taking out my iPhone out in public because I feel like someone could just swipe it out of my hand. Mm-hmm. And that's what is it worth like three hundred? You know, I have an iPhone five, five six, five <laughs> S. So I, I don't know. I, I can't even. That's not in my league at all. <laughs> It's definitely for someone. How about we drop in on... We got one piece of feedback recently on our um, last episode, on episode 33. Yeah. Uh, this was from our friend Earl Gray Third, Uh-huh. Who uh, sat in with us for our... Going way back to our second episode. Um, yeah. And he... Um, Ironically, was also about shooters. Exactly. Yeah. Talked quite a bit about Konami shooters on that one. Yeah. Uh, but he mentioned that he uh, he enjoyed that, you know, Clockwork Knight uh, got some recognition. Um, and mentions that the mascot discussion reminded him of uh, a game called UFO Common Yakisoban for the <laughs> Super Famicom. Um, and he recommends checking that out if you've not done so. Um, I have only seen videos of this game. I haven't played it. I would... Uh, probably like to check it out at some point somehow this totally eluded me i've never heard of it i've never seen it Mm -hmm. uh so i did some research on it and it's you know it's apparently ufo common yakisoban was is the main character it's played by a guy named michael tomioka uh it's a tv it's a series of tv commercials for the ufo brand instant yakisoba noodles produced by nissan foods Mm. um you know i've seen them i've seen them in food marts and like what the Asian food marts? Yeah, yeah. Really, UFO brand. I sure. Probably have seen it then. I just never noticed it. Mm-hmm. I always buy like the Maruchin or the you know the other type. Yeah, that well, you always see. Well, these are these. Are, I guess the yakisoba noodles are kind of bigger. Thicker. Yeah, I buy yeah. those. So they're good. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And yeah, so the hero wears a bowl of UFO yakisoba on his head. <laughs> <laughs> this game was released in 1994. Uh-huh. Uh, it's from this unknown company. I never heard of them. Uh, there's five stages in the game. So I don't have the ROM, and I'm certainly not tracking down the game, so I'll have to track down the ROM somewhere. I'm sure, I'm sure. I have it. I must have it. Yeah, I, 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 I might have it. I, I don't know. It's not on my immediate mm-hmm. um, emulator. I have to see if it's somewhere on a disc or something. But mm. Okay. But yeah, I'm looking forward to checking that out. That's pretty funny. <laughs> Definitely add it to the list of mascot games. Yeah. Um, Earl goes on to mention um, a nice find on the iMac. Uh, welcome to the cult. Make sure you pray to the ghost of Steve, and may the one true mouse button guide your way. Um, <laughs> now, I don't know that I'm going to keep this iMac. Uh, uh-huh. I'm going to flip it, aren't you? Well, it wasn't my intention, but 
Um, I'm just, you know, I'm just thinking... Cashing like, in on the Apple craze, aren't you? Like I mentioned, I, I'm, I'm looking for reasons to use it, and uh, it's a fairly short list. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I've got to say, I've, I've tried using that one-button thing. I think it was easier when the, when, the, when the Mac was just a simple one-button. I can't get into this really? whole gestures-based mouse that... Oh, the magic mouse? That, uh-huh. Yeah. It's, it it's uh, you know, a lot of people complain about it. That's very hard to use, and mm-hmm. some people just hate it. I went into it thinking I wasn't going to use it. I had a, a regular Bluetooth mouse I was using instead, which I liked, and I adopted. I, I just got used to it within a day or two. It was like totally natural, and now it's hard for me to use a regular mouse. Hmm. Unfortunately, I didn't get the um, the little hockey puck style mouse that came with that i that style of iMac. Um, so I'm, I'm just going to be stuck using like probably just a generic USB mouse in the meantime. Um, so I probably won't have some of those issues. Um, mm. But either way, um, yeah, I appreciate getting it, and uh, I'll see what I'll do with it ultimately. And uh, that's probably about it for this week. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks for listening. <laughs> Send your feedback to obbfeedback at gmail.com. Or hit us up on Facebook. Please visit our Facebook. Uh, you can leave us a comment on on iTunes if you have an iTunes account. Just, um, try to give us a high uh, amount of stars, if, whatever it is. The, the right amount of stars yeah. that you feel is appropriate. <laughs> and thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Thanks again. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.